Welcome back to the BOMA, a podcast from the International Livestock Research Institute, where we discuss how sustainable livestock is building better lives in the global south. My name is Brenda Coromina. And I'm Elliot Carlton. Between 2010 and 2011, a severe drought in East Africa killed more than a quarter of a million people, and half of them were children. Since then, three failed rainy seasons have dried up many sources of drinking water for both people and their livestock, and have brought lasting ruin to many farming and herding communities in this region. Huka Bidu, a pastoralist from Ethiopia, is one of those that has been affected. During the 2011 drought, every one of his cows died, leaving him and his two children to rebuild their herd and their livelihoods from scratch. That's when they decided to buy a livestock insurance policy to make sure that the devastation they experienced was not repeated. And in 2014, when the second drought came, the insurance policy allowed him to rebuild his herd. Now, droughts have always occurred in the Horn of Africa, usually every three to six years or so. They're caused by La Nina and El Nino, natural weather cycles that affect temperatures in the eastern Pacific Ocean. What's new is that droughts in the Horn have begun occurring much more frequently and sometimes one after another. This gives many of the region's farming and herding communities across these drylands no time to recover before they're struck with another drought. Ilri works with other organizations to figure out how to protect pastoral farmers from droughts. And one such partnership is the Jamil Observatory, which is working on early drought detection. And Guyo Malicha Roba, who heads the Observancy, spoke to a pan-African news outlet called The Elephant about related causes of these newer drought patterns. So over the years, you, when you look at the trend of the, of the shift in, in annual temperature, it has been increasing while the annual precipitation has been decreasing. 2020 was declared the second hottest year, I think, on Earth. And this predictably tells you how the natural processes have been shifting. So with the shift in temperature, definitely, uh, and, and, and reducing annual precipitation, the frequency is increasing. You see the last you know, 40, 50 years as, as a decade of drought. This year alone, between 12 and 14 million people are facing unprecedented food insecurity, water shortages, and failed harvests because of climate change. Millions of livestock have already died. And although humanitarian aid can go a long way in alleviating the devastation, it can often take a long time for communities to receive aid. These livestock communities need a newer, faster approach to protect them against the climate crisis. And this is something that Ilri has been exploring through an index-based livestock insurance project, or IBLI, along with its sister project, the Drought Index Insurance for Resilience in the Sahel and Horn of Africa project, better known as Darisha. This insurance scheme provides a new type of insurance for dryland herders. It doesn't wait for a drought to become severe, for animals to die, or people to starve. Using real-time satellite data, payouts are made to insurance holders early in a drought so that families like Hukabidus can prepare more effectively. Right, so basically Ibli right now works as what we call as an asset protection uh, product. That's Rupsha Banerjee, a scientist here at Ilri working on sustainable livestock systems. 
essentially the 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 way that the product is designed is that the pasture is monitored over a period of time like over a season and basically the payouts trigger when like just before when the dry season is becoming really really bad so the idea is that the payouts triggering will help the households to get access to those essential services like say it might be vaccination it might be feed it might be fodder it might be even their own household consumption needs or whatever it is and then it helps cushion so that they don't lose their asset and they don't fall from a certain level at which they are into a very much more vulnerable situation Rupsha leads the index-based livestock insurance project at Ilri with help from a variety of partners like the World Bank, Cornell University, UC Davis, and the Kenyan government. Because herders shouldn't have to just react to crises. Droughts are here to stay, and herders need to take early action. I think that's also the reason why there's now so much of emphasis on conservation and also treating drought more of like as a systemic process rather than just like an individual environmental process let's say it so that's why when we are also talking about things like resilience you know you're not just looking at the environmental factors because yeah clearly this is not going to reduce it's possible that it might increase but then it is just not an environmental shock but it generally affects an entire ecosystem of things like people will have to start looking at it at a more at a holistic level rather than just looking at like okay there is a drought like you know people have to be more preemptive rather than reactive the problem was that herders had to basically start over after every drought which turned into a vicious cycle of loss and replacement and this is why index based livestock insurance has since evolved to provide payouts for livestock water food and medicine before the drought hits hard Economist Andrew Mude led the pilot project for this new index-based livestock insurance in Kenya back in 2010, and his team has won several international awards for this work. As Rubsha explained, the trigger isn't whether someone has lost a certain number of animals, but whether the vegetation has fallen below a certain threshold. This is the index that the insurance measures to decide how much payout to provide because it's a sign of an oncoming drought. So basically Ibli is based on a satellite uh, based index. So the idea is that the satellite takes data every 10 days uh, over a, over a given season and then this data is kind of accumulated um, at the end of the season and then that's how the index maps are are produced. And then this is compared to historical uh, data that is there on on pasture availability and so on and so forth and then based on that then the payout is triggered. Of course it's a much more complicated mathematical a model that is used but very simply that's how it works. Ilri has also worked with partners to establish a framework for scaling up index-based livestock insurance which has since expanded to Ethiopia. This effort known as Derisha collects more complex data on the ground by surveying specific sites in the drylands for data about market prices, rangeland conditions and human nutrition. They do this through a phone app that allows people from local communities to submit data. We give them tasks and tasks are like these small questions, easy and very quick to do questions. We train them, like sometimes it's physical, we have WhatsApp groups so that in case like there are some issues. So then on a weekly basis they collect the data based on a particular task. So it's like they not everybody needs to collect everything, but most of the time they do actually collect everything. Contributors collect data about market conditions on a weekly basis and rangeland conditions every 10 days or so. 
Data is collected by going out into the field and walking 20 or so steps east, west, north, and south. This allows scientists to examine the variation across a particular area and collect information in places where satellite data is insufficient. And this approach can pick up data that satellites can't, including livestock mortality. But it also helps inform vulnerable communities in real time that a drought may be headed their way. Kelvin Shikuku is another scientist here at ILRI managing information systems and monitoring developments for this insurance. So that type of uh, insights, I think, is, is extremely important uh, because it's generated at the, in a timely manner you know, to guide the decision-making. I think the other thing that uh, uh, is, is important is that through the feedback mechanism directly to the, to the pastoralists, they can be able to make uh, timely decisions, right? For example, with my team being able to analyze the data and saying what, uh, you know, what the trends are, that would also take some time for us to really, you know, work on that and relay feedback, okay? But um, having a system that provides sort of feedback directly to, to pastoralists almost immediately can help them to already start using some of those uh, uh, information in, in their own decision making. Kelvin knows better than anyone that smallholder farmers, pastoral communities, and livestock herders are the most affected by drought. This is because rain is integral to these communities. It affects the planting season, the harvest rate, the pasture, and ultimately, the livestock that are central to people's livelihoods. Without rain, they're forced to make impossible decisions like selling their livestock to make ends meet, pulling their children out of school, and skipping meals. And this leads to wider problems for the whole region, like resource conflicts, which we saw during the drought of 2017. They lost their livestock, which is like a huge asset. If they didn't lose it, then they were doing distress sales, as in so like not getting the kind of prices that you would want to get in the markets. Then it affected their household, uh, not just the income, but also the household consumption patterns, right? Like, you know, people were not eating, like they were skipping meals and all that kind of thing. So all of this, all of this is an after effect. And one of the things that people probably don't want to attribute to, but but could be a cause, is that it also leads to conflict, actually. Because the thing is that it comes to a very desperate situation where you need livestock, because that's kind of like your livelihood as well as assets. So it kind of gives rise to more of like cattle rustling, things like that, or even going into grazing areas which you're not supposed to go to, and then people start fighting among themselves. And before you know it, it escalates to a point when then it becomes like a national crisis, you know, and then then the government and all that have to start intervening and all that kind of thing. So there's a lot of immediate and the obvious effects. And then, of course, there are the secondary ripple effects, which kind of escalate and cascade over a period of time. To date, the insurance scheme has provided financial support to thousands of households since it began. And evidence shows that herders with this insurance are less likely to skip meals and take their children out of school. But Kelvin says Ibli and Darisha are more than just an insurance scheme or warning system for pastoralists. The data that's collected can help policymakers as well. So it's important to him that the data is shared widely. The ultimate goal is to make this information widely accessible. It's also important for people outside uh, uh, Ilari, right? So for research purposes, of course, we want the information, you know, improve the design, 
think about how we want to target our interventions, etc. Uh, outside, we want to ensure that this is disseminated as widely as possible so that, uh, you know, other people can can also uh, help. I mean, Hillary, uh, you know, will not be able to, to intervene in all aspects, but, you know, availing this information to our partners makes sure that people can identify how uh, they want to use the information. And so one way we are doing that is uh, through um, the dashboards that we've uh, that we've created. And so um, those dashboards are widely accessible to uh, to different stakeholders. So people can be able to, you know, see the trends. People can be able to identify relevant areas or important areas of intervention. This insurance scheme has changed a lot over the years and other changes are still in the works. One thing that scientists and insurers have learned throughout the project is that it's not always profitable for private companies, but some insurers are happy to participate anyway because they see it as part of their corporate social responsibility. But these schemes rely on government support and donor funding to survive, at least for now. One idea for the future is to bundle services together so that if farmers or pastoralists pay a premium and there's no drought, they still feel like they've gained something. And these are all things that can be worked on in due time. But Rupsha and Kelvin are hopeful about the sustainability of the project and being able to scale it up. We also need to think about the enabling environment for Ibli to, to, to thrive at scale. And so uh, for me, uh, the sustainability of Ibli therefore will, will require that Ibli is bundled with other uh, services. We need to think about other interventions, other services, um, other practices that can be promoted together with Ibli to really um, reduce the risk that, uh, you know, that pastoralists face. And for the dryland information systems, the pilot has shown a clear success story. Uh, the sustainability can also be seen from the, you know, interest that this is generating among the different stakeholders that have interacted with the platform. Uh, people that we've disseminated uh, initial findings uh, to, right? And so its sustainability is emerging from the fact that it's not just Hillary pushing the, the, the app, but it's also like different stakeholders actually picking it up and wanting to incorporate it in their, in their programs. It'll take time to get there. So far, over 50,000 Ibli policies have been sold in Kenya and Ethiopia. But that's still a small number out of the 19 million pastoralists living in these countries alone. But droughts destroy lives, and they can cost countries billions of dollars, whether in lost livestock or humanitarian aid. So maybe these schemes show that we've reached a crossroads, and it's no longer about just reacting to our changing climate. It's no longer about just giving aid in the aftermath of a disaster. It's about helping these resilient communities deal with climate shocks before they happen which also happens to be more cost-effective than rebuilding in the aftermath of a drought. And organizations like the World Bank are on the same page. In fact, they're partnering with ILRI and governments across East Africa to scale up this livestock insurance by paying part of the premium for pastoralists. And with that, thank you to Rupsha, Banerjee, and Kelvin Shikuku for taking the time to talk to us about this project. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We would love to hear your feedback on today's episode or the whole podcast series. 
So please reach out to us on Twitter at Boma Podcast to let us know your thoughts and also what topics you'd like us to cover moving forward. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to share and subscribe. I'm Elliot Carlton. And I'm Brenda Coromina.